Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hello, everybody. This is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem, and it's a nice sunny day. And I'm Seth Rodney. I am uh, currently the opinions editor and a senior critic at the Hyperallergic blog slash magazine. I'm coming to you from Newburgh. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And today we're going to talk about uh, expertise and, you know, and what it means to become an expert, what it means to do uh, your own research uh, on topics and, and kind of come to your own decision making. Um, this kind of comes out of our notes uh, episode from last week. I was listening to my co-host's entry and just had some questions because, you know, as, as close as we are and as uh, similar as probably our educational backgrounds are and, you know, maybe kind of reading habits, even if we don't exactly read the same thing, you know, we kind of have had similar affinities just based on previous conversations. I feel like, you know, I operate in a, in a different world than they operate in now. I have a small business and I have employees and, you know, kind of interacting with different types of people, customers. Yeah. And Steven has a number of creative projects that he's engaged in, you know, after years of working at the Schoenberg and, you know, Seth is kind of out and about and engaging people in the art world. And so our, our social universes are, are quite different now. now. That was probably not always the case for me. I used to work in the academy and, you know, had other jobs, but, um, so this thing, I didn't even know this was, I didn't know this was kind of alive in in that sort of social universe, this idea that we should just listen to experts and just whatever experts say is what is is what we should do. And that, you know, you're not doing research when you look into things like research is a kind of sanctioned activity or, or event or something like that. And, and maybe I'm, I'm not, not characterizing it. So Seth is skeptical of my characterization. So, um, so I'll just shut up. And so I'll, I'll, so here's my question to you guys, you know, in this, like, obviously all of this comes out of, it's not just come out of COVID though. I mean, it comes out of a lot of stuff that, you know, kind of these intersections in America and in the West in particular, um, where are you guys at with it? Like, you know, in, in relation to the Menage tweet, we don't have to talk about that in particular, but you know, how do we adjudicate expertise? How do we decide what experts we listen to? How do we decide, you know, what is within someone's capacity to choose for themselves? Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'll be Daniel in the lion's den uh, again. Um, Travis, 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 just because I was kind of, scrolling through my bookmarks on Twitter, looking for a particular mm. tweet that pertains to research. Could you just pose the question to me again, especially the first part? I just, I didn't, I didn't quite grok it, please. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of meandering a bit. So I guess I, I, I guess I've gotten the impression from things that you guys have said in passing, and then now that I've poked around a bit, that there is a feeling in the progressive social universe that there are people who are allowed to have opinions about fill in the blank, about COVID, about what one should do with one's health, 
um, that people, there are people who are allowed to do their quote unquote research on topics who are allowed to look into um, what is our best, you know, public policy, what is our best choice around vaccination is a very common, is one that we talk about a lot, even though I don't want to lock it into just that conversation. I'm just using it as an EG. Um, Does that, is that a clear question? So this is what I I want to take issue with the way you're framing uh, uh, the issue already um, or the issues at hand. One is you're saying allowed. um, And that speaks to permission as if I'm in a position of being a kind of gatekeeper who has sort of sway over a great number of people or, or a number of people and can dictate to them what they can and cannot validly do. But do you support the people who do have that power? Well, one, it depends. It depends on which, on which sort of arena of public policy we're talking about. Where it comes to okay. vaccines, what my particular trouble is, well, my particular trouble is, is, is centered on People who claim to do quote unquote research. And what they mean is they looked up a couple YouTube videos. They read maybe a couple articles in some off brand uh, blog. Um, spoke to someone who claims to be an expert, who's probably not even an epidemiologist or someone who deals with, um, infectious diseases. Um, from a position of being trained or educated in the field. My problem is that when you say research, and this is the tweet I was looking for, but I can't find it, it may have been a Facebook post, is that mm-hmm. to be in layman's terms, research is basically just taking a principled, ser- making a principled search on something in a serious way. Most of these people are talking about doing things that you call research, um, that are not serious. When, mm. the, the tweet I was looking for, or the Facebook post, um, the woman said, uh, uh, and I don't remember her name, but she said basically, if you're, if you're saying you're doing research, have you, and she listed something which was more the kind of research approach in the sciences, which is have you done basically a quite a quantified um, uh, appraisal of the arguments pro and con and have you re- and have you gone back in in each of those articles that you've cited have you mm-hmm. looked at the um the co-authors have you looked at their uh uh, uh backgrounds have you looked at the mm-hmm. nature of the journal in which they've posted like is the journal taken seriously have you looked at the um uh whether the 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 authors of this piece are taken seriously by their colleagues in the field. So that's like, that's one thing she said. And then the other thing was mm-hmm. um, something like, have you done a, um, uh, what you might call it? Uh, what's this called? A um, You do it on, on, on the way in a PhD. Have you done a... Um, a literature review. Thank you. Have you done a literature review? Mm-hmm. And have you um, determined who are the sort of dominant voices in the field that you're dealing with? And mm. what they've published and how that, how what they've published has been received, that, that sort of thing. And mm. even if you take the lightest version of that, right, which is, have you looked at sort of all other sides of the issue? Have you, have you determined 
who is saying the opposite and whether the person who's saying the opposite of what you think or what you claim has any merit, then what you're doing is not really research. What you're doing is um, some sort of off-the-cuff uh, uh, questioning or I don't know what the word is. It, it, it's, not, it's not taking it seriously. What, what, what's that even? Confirmation bias. Yeah, I mean, confirmation, yeah, confirmation bias, bias sure, definitely sure, plays sure. into it. But my point is that when people say use the word research, they're, they're misusing it most of the time. They're not taking the thing seriously. If you ask one question, and then the way you answer it is you find three or four sources that back your back the thing that you already came into the yeah conversation thought, thinking into right it. yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah that's not research. Like stop, yeah. stop, stop being a child. Stop, stop using words that, um, with 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 authority, um, that you don't even understand. Okay, all right, Stephen. So I was just thinking about where I wanted to enter this circle, and part of me feels like, well, first of all, I want to say that people can do anything they want. They can research all they want. That's absolutely mm. fine. So that's not something that I hope I didn't come off in my notes by saying that. What I value is research. I value expertise. And I think that the reason why um, I was having a hard time entering the circles is because I was thinking about um, anti-vax moms or at the anti-vax movement and how uh-huh. it sounds like on the surface, if you're just listening kind of um, not as in-depth as you need to, that these women and these men have a point. It's like, yeah. You're raising your children. You want them to be healthy. You want them to, you don't want anyone interfering with the way you parent, right? Which is, I think is pretty value. I mean, I think that's a a good point. It's where they go with the information. There was an anti-vax doctor for years who the single study has been debunked, debunked, debunked. Oh, you're talking about the UK guy. I always forget his name, but I know know you're talking about, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, sometimes people drop out of the anti-vax movement, like your, um, Jim Carrey, who was with, you know, that one woman at, I forget her name, the um, Playboy Bunny. McCarthy, I think, yeah. Jenny McCarthy, who I think is quite hilarious, by the way, but not in his, yeah, she is not in his way. Um, <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> Finding it's a heart attack. <laughs> Seth was being mean. <laughs> Un- uncharacteristically so. <laughs> so what I kind of really want to get down to very briefly is that I think that we're so undereducated that the idea of someone doing their own research seems laughable to me in some ways. And, and I include myself in that lot, so I'm not even saying that I'm above that or that I'm a great researcher. I'm saying right. that the way I was trained as an archivist was to help you find information. I wasn't a theorist. I do more theory now that I'm not in it, but I do. back then it was just me helping you to get to the tools or help you teach you the tools to research. Yeah, And people would come in for example, and say, um, I would like to research someone who wasn't famous, um, who's about 100 years old. <laughs> and then I have to go, okay. And I knew what college it came from, too, it's a local college. And I was like, we know these people. We know this professor. So we were trying to help this person get to what they needed for their, um, for their assignment and to encourage them, you know, keep them encouraged as opposed to this, this woman again. I mean, that's a search. That's a search term. Not even Google could help you with. Like, <laughs> well, the thing is, and so this is. I'm ninety 
98 at the Schomburg. So Google isn't around. And yeah, yeah, people are using it, not really using the internet. You're still coming in and kind of really doing the yeah. hands-on research. Where you have to sit and read and think about something. So, so Stephen... Stephen, sorry, I sorry to interrupt, but can you do me a favor? Because I think I think it's really useful for this conversation to just break down what you told that person. Like, if you can succinctly say, "This is how you do that research on a person who's not famous who died a hundred years ago." Wow. Okay. And so there's also race because it was also a black person okay. <laughs> who died who was who would have been a hundred years old. Okay. So typically, we would try to find out. If they had an idea, typically they didn't because these were students that were um, either who didn't start college at a particular time or returning college students or were older, you know, non-traditional college students. We would ask them first for to see the syllabus. And then we would contextualize it based on mm-hmm. the sensibility mm-hmm. of the professor itself and say, okay, I see what you're saying. You want to maybe someone in the South, maybe someone mm-hmm. who may have grown up on a farm. And then we okay. would take them to the set of resources such as um, collections, uh, collections, maybe even photography, just to kind of get them a, a sense of what the tools are and then let them do it themselves. Because oh. oftentimes what people want you to do is their research for them. Okay, so, so mm-hmm. I just want to break this down for the listener because, because I taught a research methodologies class at Parsons for a couple of years, a couple of semesters. And, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm super interested in... Uh, talking about research methods. And by the way, I want to say to the audience too, because this freaking term gets misused all the time as well, and I don't like it, especially in the arts. People like blah, 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 methodology. Methodology, folks, is just a plan. That's all it is. It's just a research plan. So when you say methodology, what you're saying is, I'm going to use so-and-so methods within this overall plan to find out the thing I want to, to answer the question I'm posing. So I mean, there are sometimes some theoretical underpinnings to that. So different methodologies are going to produce different answers for you and different, you're going to close off certain things. Right. But the methodology, all it's saying is that I, is that this is my approach and I am using these methods, these strategies, these techniques to answer the question I'm posing. So we just begins with a question. What Stephen just outlined, I think is really important to say uh, or to emphasize He's saying, when you ask the question, first of all, look at sort of the limits of the question. So look at the syllabus. Like, what, how broad is the question? What, what time do we have to answer it? Right? It's not, it's mm-hmm. not going to be a dissertation. It's just going to be for a class assignment. Then we're only going to go X, X deep. Right? Mm-hmm. Then he's saying, let me marshal some resources. Are there regional resources? Are there like, uh, census, uh, things that we can look at? Are there for particular, uh, photographic collections that would pertain to the subject. Like, so you, once you, one of the things that you first do when you start doing serious research is you figure out one, where to look, right? Where are you looking? Are you looking regionally? Are you looking nationally? Are you looking internationally? Are you looking in philo- ph- philosophy? Are you looking in photography? Are you looking in ethnology? Or, you know, what, what branch, what discipline, what area of life are you concerned with? So I just think it's that, that one of the things that is being left out of the debate around expertise is how experts actually, what they do when they take something seriously is they break down the methods by which you get to an answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
So, uh, Stephen, were you? Uh, I mean, that's helpful. Uh, Stephen, were you done with? Sorry, your, yeah. Sorry, your, sorry, Stephen. No, no, no. I was fine. The only thing I wanted to add was that during when the internet really started to pop off, there was a fear in the information science community, uh, the the librarians and archivists and curators. When I first got to the Schomburg, there was a lot of um, anxiety floating in the air among information specialists, curators, librarians, archivists who felt that the internet was going to make their profession obsolete. Right. Mm-hmm. It happened to be the opposite. Right. Oh, yeah, my God. Yes, absolutely. Because, yeah. you, know, you could get a digital copy of something online or you could do a Google research, but it was what do you do with this information? Right. How do you like bring it together? What do you leave out? What do you keep in? And it was, and so more people started coming to the Schomburg or, or libraries in general, n- not only for that expertise, but also the economic situation where it was one of the few places you can go and not have to pay. <laughs> so, I mean, I just yeah. want to say that there's an environment that, that I think some of the earlier librarians and curators and archivists weren't anticipating and couldn't maybe mm-hmm. in some ways because this was the whole robots are going to make our lives um, obsolete. And in some ways mm-hmm. it's happened that way. Automation has happened. To, sure, sure. So yeah, I can yeah. see the fear and I understand it better. But I think the research, having a research consultation with someone has been, it's, I learned stuff, they learn stuff, you know, it's great. So I, I appreciate that. And, and that makes sense. And, you know, sort of describing the difficulty of uncovering something with such a unclear idea of what you're even looking for. I mean, there's just some giant parameters. Um, and that is not how most people come to the projects that they come to. You're, I mean, you were both pointing this out that, you know, essentially you, you kind of come trying to confirm a bias or confirm something that you've already believed. Right. So, Seth, in your characterization, so I'm 100% on board with that ideal, mm-hmm. but in reality, experts don't do that. In reality, experts are not looking at the arguments against their position and seriously considering it and weighing it. Um, I mean, I, I if you you know read nearly any peer-reviewed journal, you know, I mean, in fields that you know I am familiar with and then even cursorily familiar with, that is not typically the way that an article unfolds. Um, they may take on particular positions if they're in a row with someone but the number of the number of holes and gaps in the context of their understanding of a particular event um, you could drive fleets of trucks through okay so can, uh, can I may I interrupt you here please 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 okay jump in. so so three things. One, we need to make a clear distinction between what you're calling experts and what I'm calling researchers. Researchers do ask these questions. You're absolutely right, Travis. Experts, if by experts you mean people like, I don't know, Glenn Greenwald, who write long disquisitions on Substack about what the fuck is wrong with the Democratic Party. Yeah, he's an expert in terms of... um his knowledge of the political realm in the United States and his knowledge of the way party politics break down, he has long, he has long experience with that. But he t- tends to argue these, these kinds of things that you're talking about, Travis, these articles or these pieces tend to argue a position. And you're absolutely right. They do not 
take the time to seriously consider opposing points of view. Absolutely. What I'm talking about is, what I'm talking about is researchers. So researchers like me, who uh, went through a program, I, I graduated from um, Birkbeck College, University of London. What I had to do when I did my literature review is I had to seriously consider sort of all sides to the thing that I was looking so you, at, which was... What which, you had to do was show that you could do that, but at a certain point you stopped having to do that. And no, and I mean, not, not, for my, not for my thesis and not for my book. What I did was I looked kind of full circle at all of the, what I would call dominant voices, all the important people, what they had to say about the museum visit, and I took that on board, and then I formulated my own, out of all of that, I formulated sort of my own position. That's proper right. research. No, no, I, yeah, no, I understand. I understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is that what mm-hmm. you engaged in was an exercise that the academy declares is necessary to get your imprimatur, to get your PhD. And yeah. so, and I'm not, and I'm, there's no hidden criticism of that. I think that exercise is a valuable one, and many great things can come out of it. Uh, there are some unfortunate byproducts of it as well, but as you and I have talked about a lot, but. After that fact, after you have the letters, mm-hmm. after you've got the M-Day, the, the PhD, the DPhil, whatever it is, uh-huh. it is quite uncommon uh-huh. to see experts equally weighing the pros and cons of situations, at least those that are given oxygen and airtime in public settings. I, I am not. I'm not making any claim about. And you know, uh, undoubtedly, you know, eighty percent, ninety percent, some significant percentage of people who can legitimately call themselves experts on a given topic are nowhere on social media. They're you've never heard their names. They're not. You know, they're just kind of dutifully laboring away at whatever their particular interest is and engaged in whatever arcana that they are engaged in. I'm sorry, I'm almost done. I know you really want to jump in. So my, what I'm saying, though, is that as a society, we rely on experts to help us adjudicate our decisions and help us shore up the things that we think are the right course of action. And I'm saying those experts, and then I'll put a point on it, and then you can tear it down. Those <laughs> experts, those experts are not engaging in the activity that you are describing. Right, but what you're not doing, Travis, which I don't think is fair, um, and I don't think you're doing this, you know, intentionally, mm-hmm. but what, I, what, you, what you're not doing is you're not taking into consideration at the moment the structure by which we confer expertise on a group of people. So what, you're, what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, there's a distinction, again, between, for me, a very useful one, between a researcher and an expert. An expert is I am the pers- doing that, by the way, which I'll, 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 I, I can address that, but please go ahead and make your point. Yeah, so the expert is the person, like, so this is a structure. It's adversarial. So we bring on people on CNN as an expert in electoral policy to um, go up against another expert who has a very different opinion because they want to see the sparks fly. What I'm getting at is that the person, before they are dubbed an expert by CNN or by Glenn Greenwald or by whomever, at some point, maybe 
not all of them, but maybe at some point. You know, you know, Ann Coulter was never a researcher, right? She's always been kind of a, a hack. Sure. But there are people who are researchers, but they're not called that necessarily. They they're on and uh, somewhere in somewhere in their intellectual development, they like Ken Cruz. He's a historian. At some point, he was a researcher who put the time and effort in to understand a particular set of circumstances or follow, very seriously follow, answer a question, right? He becomes an expert once um, he gets on Twitter and someone asks a question or he weighs in on a topic because he's done the research to put him in a position to know about this thing. But the context, and this is what I'm getting at, the structure, what I'm getting mm -hmm. at when I say structure, the context is typically adversarial or opinionated or um, uh, um, 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 in some ways like, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, motivated to make an argument. Researchers, if they are left to their own devices, are just happily doing whatever they're doing in the libraries, in the, in the archives, in, in various collections, looking up the thing that will make their questions make sense to them. I, f I feel like you're describing researchers the way Victorian writers described the happy poor in in the 19th century. I just I, I like, of course, there are these researchers that you know are happy to live in libraries, but these people also have politics and are also motivated and engaged in the like. They're not they're you know they're not Santa's elves like, which is kind of how I feel like you're describing. No, them. no, no. But but Travis, okay. So, so let's 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 put, let's let's make it let's make it. Let's stop making it theoretical and make it practical. An epidemiologist like Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, at some point he oh, was. Oh, thank you for bringing him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he was gonna come up at some point in his career. He was looking at the AIDS crisis, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he was, in fact, he was taken to task by people who, who, who many activists who felt that he wasn't acting fast enough um, to 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 help save people's lives to approve certain drugs that were that were proven to show have a, a positive effect in prolonging right, right. lives of people infected with HIV and right so yeah. he's not a, he's not an elf but what he was doing in a principled way i think he's also not a, he's also not a researcher he's a bureaucrat he may now, have gone through he may now. he may have then too he, no, even then as well of no, course no, no, no. of course he was no, no, but no Travis, researcher leads a federal agency. Right, right, so right. No, no researcher that is a federal. No, I'm just saying that. I agree that, of course, he went through that process. But that's the but only way he are, got there was he okay, at some point but was at a researcher. That point, he became a bureaucrat, right, and all with I'm, a research background. Right. Okay, fine. But what I'm saying is that he has the tools to carry out research. And as a bureaucrat, sure. he can look at somebody else's research and say, does, does, did this person do act in a principled way? That's where the research skills come into play. So I, as a researcher myself, I can look at somebody else's argument and say, okay, I can kind of gauge how they got there. What did they look at? What bodies of evidence did they look at? And what, how did they look at these bodies of evidence? That's what I'm saying. So the researchers always And you believe, can, mm -hmm. I, can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. And you believe, and so this actually, it's helpful because it gets to the heart of it. And then I know Stephen's been listening. I would like to give him a chance to, to jump in. Too. Yeah, sorry, sorry it, Stephen. But I don't have anything to say about that. Go ahead. <laughs> Is you believe, it seems to me that you believe that this process produces wisdom and mm -hmm. produces appropriate judgments. Well, it, 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 
it's like, so I think Fauci is a great example of someone who has absolutely broken the public trust in a certain, with a certain constituency and is held up as, is held up idealistically and unrealistically by another constituency. Fauci is a political bureaucratic animal. That is, abs- he, he may have a scientific background, he may be able to read and write scientific literature, but that does not make him, that does not save him or protect him from being a political animal. Agreed. And his, and his, and his choices are not adjudicated by a dispassionate scientific approach. Agreed. They are, th- th- yeah, so it's politics that shape his activities. His expertise is almost, is a handmaid to his political decisions, not the other way around. Fair enough, fair enough. So then what value does the expertise have in helping us chart a course of action, in imbuing imbuing an expert with that kind of authority, which is of course unavoidable in a complex society, but when when you imbue an expert and you wall them off from criticism and elevate their decision-making to the level of enlightened scientific dictates, a la Plato's Republic, which we have talked about before. When you do that, how do you produce a just society? Right, but the so I keep doing this, and and, and forgive me, Stephen, um, for eating up all this motherfucking um, air with this, but Travis, what I'm getting at is, you're making it seem like the perni- the most per- the, the most pernicious action that we're taking is by using the person who is a political creature um endowing them with this authority which we mm-hmm. shorthand as expertise and mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, basically right. and la- basically letting them loose um on um the very ideologically conscripted public to either play um, the devil or the angel, right? And I want to say, yes, Fauci is a political creature, but what's the alternative? Like, you, you want someone who doesn't have the research background to say, well, I think we should, because at some point he's going to have to say, I think we should do X, Y, and Z. I want someone who actually has the research background, who actually is an epidemiologist, who actually has studied infectious diseases, how they spread, how they are conceived, and how they might be stopped, to actually depend on that research ability, which that so, training, and the colleagues that he surrounds himself with who are similarly endowed with those insights to make those kinds of you- decisions. What you have just described is an aristocracy by education. But that's what we have. No, it, it, no. What we ostensibly have is a democratic republic. But we don't. But you what, know that that's it, not true. So no, I, I don't know that that's not true. And I think the 2016 election is evidence that that is not true. And I think that that is what is potential. I think that is part of what has driven progressives out of their fucking minds is that 
in fact, we do live in a democratic republic. In fact, we could make such an egregious error and elect such a buffoon and have to deal with that for four years, and people are freaking the fuck out because no, of it. No, Travis, I think we had, it, we elected him precisely because we don't the, the people who voted for him don't think he's a buffoon. They think he's a different kind of expert. They think he's no, no, no. They think he's so, a, he's a multimillionaire or billionaire. They think he's a kind of financial expert who can cut through the so, red tape of the bureaucracy. That Steph, that they I can see tell as, you that. Mm. But so this was this is what I had let off originally, and then I really want to like beg Stephen to jump in. So. Because uh, you know, it's it's a better show when 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 it's more than just you know the two of us yelling at each other. We're not we're not yelling. I'm not I'm not nearly worked up. But the uh, this is what we open up. You I would I would go so far as to say that how you are characterizing that is what you are doing is describing the inside of your political bubble, and I actually know Trump supporters that think he's an asshole. And don't think he is wonderful and don't think he is great, but think that the alternative is so much worse that they're willing to think about that for a second. There are people of good conscience who would show up at a George Floyd rally who absolutely think that there is unfair policing of black bodies in this country. I am describing people that I know that at the same time think that the alternative to Trump is so pernicious and and I will say I I'm starting to have a harder time holding the line with these arguments because how much censorship happened under Trump versus Biden people have literally be have literally been banned from social media for professing opinions that have since turned out to be true so information around uh vaccine effectiveness, information around Wuhan lab leaks, things like that. Things like this have been branded what, as mis- misinformation on Twitter. What does this, what does this have to do with Biden? I, I'm, I'm, say, I'm saying that under... So, okay, let me back up for a second. The Biden administration is known to be putting pressure on social media companies to, be, to clamp down on quote-unquote misinformation. This has been reported in legacy media. So yeah, but so the Trump is, administration is, put put pressure on social me on social media companies no, no, to allow them to say anything that, they wanted to. Uh, no, they're they're branding these things as misinformation, and so therefore it gives them cover to. So your your skepticism around this, I have to say, so is just you're wrong about this. Like it's actually it's just this the reporting around the pressure that the administration has been putting on companies is accurate. I didn't make any claim about what pressure Trump may or may not have done. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the end result of the pressure in this instance and under this administration has in fact been action by Facebook and Twitter to limit discussions of things that they have decided or the administration has decided is misinformation. So for example, early reporting around the uh, the collapse of vaccine efficacy around transmission after the six month mark. Not talking about not talking about hospitalizations. Not talking about serious illness. That appears to hold up pretty well. But there were reporters that were ahead of this by months. That were looking at the Israeli data. That were looking at the UK and were saying, "Look, after about six months, the vaccine does not appear to be as effective at preventing transmission. We are just talking about transmission. This information was branded by Twitter as misinformation, and people have been pulled from the platform for publishing cited information, researched 
research-backed information, including peer-reviewed articles and statistics produced by governments. And these people, because they were ahead of the curve, because they were ahead of legacy media, have been banned from social media. But I can also I can also trot out a bunch of well, people on the progressive side who have been banned from Twitter or have had their not maybe not banned. I I, I don't know that, but had definitely have had their posts taken down because they've forwarded some argument um, regarding I don't know mass incarceration or. Um, 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 uh, uh, people seeking asylum, uh, who were mistreated, whatever. Um, I've seen that come across my Twitter feed as well. So what I, what I'm saying, okay, what, so I'm, what I'm, what, let, let, let's cut to the chase a little bit. Cause I think, what no, I know. Cause actually, yeah, no, no. I wanted to just, mm-hmm. I, I do feel like that's a little bit of a sidetrack. What I wanted to get back to is mm-hmm. that your description of Trump supporters mm-hmm is a caricature of actual human beings. These people don't actually all believe, they're not all sycophantic toe suckers of Trump and his family. They're, the alternative for them is worse. Okay, what, I'm not saying the they're ima- correct. The, the imagined alternative, because this is what they imagine. But, they haven't, they haven't actually encountered, the Chinese troops are not mar- gonna march through the country. We know this. Okay, so, so but Seth, you just did it again. Like a, I'm not talking about those people. Okay. Uh, no, but you just but you just did it. I mean, so literally, this is what I'm trying to pin you down on around okay. this. Like, like you just did it again. I am not talking about people who believe in microchips or the invasion of Chinese troops. Okay. I am talking about people who believe mm-hmm. that the superciliousness mm-hmm. of progressives and the faith in institutions mm-hmm. that allow things like lockdowns and mandated vaccinations and plant closures and you know all of these things has jaded their their politics in such a way that they would vote for someone they despise not because they believe china is you know, off the shore of Long Beach, waiting to invade. Not be- these are the low-hanging fruits that are regularly regularly used in legacy media. The QAnon, you're ta- you know, QAnon's like ten thousand people or something like that. That is not what produced that many votes for Trump. And when when you and others repeat and reproduce these simplifications, it allows us to vilify and dismiss millions of people that we have to share the country with. Right, but then millions of people who we share the country with happen to believe that, I don't know, that magic underwear will make them, like, bulletproof. Like, I don't, you know, I don't... I don't ta- ha- talking about Mormons. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay, so, I, was, <laughs> that, so I, I mean, you could also say the same thing about the Native Americans during the Great Ghost Dance. They thought they could sing a spell and they were bulletproof. Yeah, 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 but fine. we probably wouldn't shit on them in the same way. Well, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> I, I don't... Want, you might, I, I mean, over beers or something like that. <laughs> but, but I'm saying that your, your politics, not your politics, the, the politics of progressives would not allow us to judge those two people in the same way. Are we yeah, but progressives the, or are we talking about liberals? Because I think you, Travis, I think you need, I need some clarity about the progressives versus the liberals, because I feel like you're talking more about liberals than you're talking about progressives. You could be talking about progressives. I could be wrong. But I hear more uh, liberal sensibility that 
is like Hillary Clinton's not a progressive. The people that they're putting up for um, the the people who are being criticized are generally not progressives. They are people who are liberals, who are capitalist realists. These kinds of people. Yeah, fair point. So I I I feel like um, there's a little bit of a slippage in the term there. And I actually do mean it in a particular way, although we, I think we're I think we're understanding the term differently. And I'm not saying my way is correct. I'm just saying it's fine. We can we can shift it. Yeah. No. 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 There there isn't a correct one. Yeah. No. I, so I I would I would tend to want to use the word liberal to talk about people who are committed to liberal libertarian values. I don't mean political libertarians. I mean people that believe you know in sort of liberty, individual, in sort of individuality to like sort of escape government uh, government and corporate uh, management, right? So this would be, you know, so, like if you want to, if, if, if you believe in, you know, freedom of the press, freedom of speech, if you believe in, you know, that like um, gay marriage, if you believe in that every single person in the country should be able to partake in the liberties afforded to a typical citizen that makes you a liberal a progressive in my in in the way i'm using it is someone that is attempting to move politics forward it which is ostensibly a you know not a negative thing but move politics forward in a way that improves the outcomes for people who have been historically um ignored by the com- by the country so you know you would be you know you want to improve the conditions for black Americans, brown Americans, you know, uh, LGBTQ, et cetera. Workers, workers. Workers, workers would be, workers is another great category, for sure. So um, I I think, and to be clear, yay, thumbs up. I'm all for, you know, I'm all for these things. Like the more, the more ways that we can recognize it's okay to be an American, the better it is for all Americans, I think. I do think, however, that progressives have become too worshipful of expertise and seem to me to want HR departments to adjudicate all of the difficulty and messiness of living in a democracy. Like they want to, they want, they want to, I mean, you know, the cancel culture thing, we don't have to get into that. That's not really a conversation about that. But, but the thing is that all you in in Seth's earlier description in your earlier description Seth of Fauci and all the people that he surrounds himself with that's a, a democracy demands a liberal an advanced liberal democracy demands a robust intellectual opposition to every position because we are flawed human beings and because our decisions are invariably flawed. And there are things that we absolutely, no matter what training we get, no matter how many fucking letters we have after our names, there are things we cannot understand about ourselves and others. Agreed. And I'm totally with you on this, Travis, except for the, what, what the people in the past few conversations that you've tend to bring up as the sort of robust, uh, motivated opposition are the kooks in some cases. Who, who are... In who some cases, who, like, like, no, okay, so, who, so, so we had an example of, a okay, cook. so maybe, maybe cook is not the right word, but we had this discussion offline where we talked about Barry Weiss's Substack article about Chris Cooper versus what's her name. And this person that she brought on 
basically made the argument that um, the woman in the park with a dog who wouldn't leash a dog was maybe mistreated by the media and maybe mistreated by Cooper because he threatened the dog. La la. And we and we went back and forth on this. And I and I brought out some um, some evidence, um, basically a, a breakdown that I found on Twitter by a couple of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, the robust opposition in that case that you brought up was in to, in in my estimation. Bankrupt. Like th- these people, like co- ostensibly had a good argument, but on examination, it broke down so, into a bunch of so Seth. Yes, hearsay. Yes. Yeah. No, so yeah. Yeah. So so no. No. So it's not. It didn't break down to hearsay. But I'm not. I'm not actually pushing back. I think in that argument, I think you won that argument. I think. I mean, I still. The day hasn't dawned that I am not willing to concede when when my argument doesn't hold. My the, the argument and the, but the context of that so Barry Weiss isn't a kook she was just wrong about this thing like she didn't do enough digging she didn't interrogate her own biases what you produced was an additional counter to that some additional context that base you know that essentially Weiss was not looking at the full picture. She was looking at a different part of the picture a different part of the elephant than what the legacy media or in social media was looking at. So, but what what, what the result. Of that conflict, the result of Weiss pushing back mm-hmm. at the the oversimplifications that lived in the media, which mm-hmm. they were gross oversimplifications. I mean, they practically made a fucking comic book about this. I mean, I think they did make a comic book about this guy. Yeah, and so the, I mean, who, he, he I think by writer. most account, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know, it's a little tongue in cheek, yeah. but I mean, I think you know, so who was it was a conflict of irritating personalities, but. The additional context you brought in is precisely what I'm talking about. It it produced a in me a better understanding of the situation, and I was welcome for it. I don't want to hold any idea that's wrong because that's an opportunity to learn. What I'm saying is that what is currently progressing in the United States is an intolerance of that process. Instead of examining Rand Paul's counter arguments to Fauci, people tear down Rand Paul. But Rand, now, Paul, is, Rand not, Paul is an asshole. Let's let's like let's let's, let's okay. agree with so, that. So but 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 if we if we are going to eliminate every asshole with ideas, mm. there will be no more fucking ideas in the world because we're all assholes. Not true. Like absolutely not we, true. Not are you serious? Yes, we're not all are assholes. We're not. There are people who have there are people who have well thought out positions. Yes, Travis. That I doesn't agree make with you. you not an asshole. No, no, fair enough. What, but I'm, what I'm saying is there are people with well thought out positions. And they may even work for Rand Paul. I don't know. But they're not Rand Paul. Oh no, Rand Paul was correct, Seth. In Rand what? Paul is right. In what? He Rand Paul in one of his earlier exchanges with Fauci was arguing about natural immunity. I don't and okay. He was excoriated for that in social media. He was dismissed. Rand Paul, you're just an you're just an ophthalmologist. You're not a real doctor. Let's all listen to what Fauci says. No, 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 that's not fair. I mean, maybe that was said. Maybe okay, I'm not saying I'm not saying that was not all I'm saying is that's not fair. Because he is a doctor. You're right, it's dumb. He, well, he's a doctor and he has a certain kind of training. The part of the problem is that he's not an epidemiologist. And what some people Come on, I don't No, no, but what, I, no, wait, hold on. What so some people only is, epidemiologists get to have opinions no, on how to no, no, adjudicate No, 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 no that's not an what I'm epidemic? saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is 
Rand Paul in that arena may not actually know what he's talking about. Maybe. But he did know. Okay, no, no. I, so this is okay. So, I, okay, I, I so submit. I don't know anything about you, this. I submit. You're you right. Can, okay. okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. That was an absolutely. That was a bullshit evasion. You can't. You can't shoot a gun and then say like maybe we shouldn't use guns. So you just. You just dismissed him for not being an epidemiologist. No, no, I didn't dismiss him. I and said yes, he may not. He may not. In this instance, if, nobody's talking about If it's not about. relevant, then why even mention it? Because- Like, it's sort of like saying, like, well- Because it's not his- You know, he has curly hair. No, because- so I, Because he may not- It's not relevant, to, but his idea- But he was correct. Like, if, 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 your, if your last refuge in an argument is to suggest- that someone's position may not entitle them to give an answer in that argument. No, but he wasn't. You have lost that argument. No, but he hasn't. But he's not giving an answer. The thing is, that's the thing. He was not giving an answer. He wasn't engaged. This is the. This is my again the issue for me. Rand Paul was not engaged in research. He wasn't engaged in a principled. Uh, Neither was Fauci. No, hold on. Fauci's hold, a bureaucrat. Okay, hold on a second though. He wasn't engaged in a principle. Um, search for uh, an answer to a particular query. What he was doing was advocating a position. Okay, Fauci may have been advocating a position as well, but my point is that right. at least in my in my estimation, and I don't know, you know, you have me at a disadvantage because I don't know the particulars of the conversation you're talking about. But in the past, Rand Paul has taken positions vis-a-vis public policy with regard to um, um, I don't know, um, housing or banking or um, uh, civil rights legislation that I have found reprehensible, right? So, my, so already I'm, I'm in a position where I tend not to trust him. So when mm-hmm. it comes down to a Senate, uh, 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 yeah, he's a senator, right? A Senate hearing mm. in which he's aggressively questioning Dr. Anthony Fauci, in order to, for the cameras and for the, the, the listening constituents, make a point of invalidating him, then yeah, my tendency is going to be not to believe him. I don't know the particulars of this conversation, but I know that this is what he tends to do. And from what I can okay. tell, what Anthony Fauci tends to do is he tends to look at this very difficult complex unfolding situation regarding the pandemic and figure out what's best for national policy that will save that will save more more lives than not i am i am legitimately shocked Mm. at the amount that you are willing to impute to people's intentions like Mm. how 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 can you suggest that you have an insight into Rand Paul's intentions about the politics and the positions that he takes? Because he's been consistent about it. No, but no, but no, but but no, no, I'm not talking about what his politics are. I'm talking about his intentions. And how can you, and how can you suggest that you are aware of Fauci's intentions? How are you in these people's heads? I'm not How a, is that possible? But that's but no, no. And I, I'm saying it. I'm, I'm not saying it in a like. It's not really a rhetorical question because I'm not. I'm not being a dick about it. What I'm saying is that I'm a little flummoxed at the certainty that you seem to have about how these people like 
why they're doing the things that they're doing. Why is it not possible Mm -hmm. that Rand Paul just sees the world differently than you do? And why is it why is it not possible that and I'm not saying it is, why is it not possible that Fauci is a craven political animal that is seeking adulation and approval? I'm not saying either one of those things is true. I don't know Rand Paul. I don't know Anthony Fauci. But as subjects of their decrees, which you and I and Stephen are, and and as as in some instances, unwilling participants in the policies that they set, how can we do anything but judge them by what they say until we have abundant evidence that suggests otherwise? And, all and in that, um, and, 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 and in that exchange, I understand you're not as familiar with it as I am. I don't understand the point of tearing someone down without just listening to their argument. And I'm not tearing Rand Paul down for his particular argument in that instance. All I'm saying is that up until this point, in my experience, Rand Paul has consistently said things that were either ridiculous to my hearing or reprehensible or just plain, well, I want to say anti-black. But, I, I, you know, the problem is, with as with many of these conversations, is that I don't have the particular instances ready to hand. What I'm going on, and it's not, I'm not, it's not about being in the hedge. What I'm going on is the years, months and years of accumulated glimpses of uh, what Rand Paul has said. Like he said this in, re- in response to the climate crisis. He said that in response to uh, mm. pending voting rights as legislation. He's spent, mm. he's, so this, I'm not in his head, but what I've got, uh-huh, two minutes. Um, what I've, what I've, what I've gathered over the course of living my life here in the United States and being aware of lots of the issues that Rand Paul has weighed in on is that Rand Paul, in my estimation, is not worth listening to. Like that, and I, and I come, I come to that conclusion after some time. Like, you know, and culture isn't worth listening to. Um, mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, um, um, Megyn Kelly isn't worth listening to. Now, you can say that I'm being arbitrary or unfair in these estimations, but they come over the course of time and they come from not just one or two moment, glimpses at their politics and their rhetoric and their ways of thinking. Yes, Rand Paul may have a completely different worldview from mine, and I'm not saying that someone, just because they do, isn't valid. What I'm saying is that in my experience with him his worldview is pernicious is it possible so is it possible your worldview is the worldview of your social class and not the world and not an assessment based on the calm rational informed opinion of someone who has evaluated these things individually um so what you're saying is it's very possible. Uh, do, do I know that I might be caught up in some ideology that I'm not fully aware of? Yeah, I'm, I get that. Can but, you and can can you think of can you think of a politician or an expert, a figurehead that is in the opposition that you feel like, and you may the answer to this may be affirmative. So I'm not I'm not leading that you disagree with your social circle with, your social group? Like, are there any conservatives or thinkers 
in the pub in the political sphere. I'm not talking about in your area of expertise. Yes. I know you have. You have very, okay, so please. Who would no, but 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 they're, but they're, but they're littered around across the political spectrum. Like like um, I um, think that, but but again, this is really difficult, and and we're probably over the two minute mark already. But there, maybe we should just like pick this up next time. But there are people in my in my social uh, uh, space um, who disagree with me vigorous, uh, vigorously about AOC. Um, who disagree with me about, um, uh, Adam Kinzinger, um, who disagree with me about Biden. Like, I mean, it, it, it's not just conservative versus liberal versus progressive. It's like, across, like there are lots of people in, who are in the art scene who I know personally who think that, um, um, Biden is a complete disappointment and is hardly any better than Trump. So, so there. So. I, I think those are all, so I would, and I'm happy to talk about it next time or talk about something else, but I would say that those are all very safe things. These are all acceptable disagreements to have in progressive circles. It would, is, and, you know, I don't think you have to go to, to Trump, obviously, and that, that's a bridge too far. But I would say anyone who, that is not a quote-unquote Democrat, uh, in whatever shape or form, anyone that is an actual uh, Republican who has not ultimately sided with Democrats on so not these kind of like Adam, come to Jesus Adam, neocons. Adam, that, Adam Kin and Kinziger, like he voted to impeach Trump. He's sitting on the uh, uh, on the um, this is the congressman. This is the congressman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's sitting, yeah, he's yeah. On, the, on the Republican side. He's sitting on the on the uh, uh, congressional. Um, and do you feel like Committee. that is an unsafe you in in you in your social circles? This is someone that is kind of outside beyond the pale. Well, to be honest with you, Travis, like in my social circle, we don't really the people in the art scene don't really talk about those kinds of politicians. They tend Fair to enough. talk about artists. They tend to talk about curators. They tend to talk about each other. So, like, I, I, I it's honestly just doesn't yeah. really come up. And I, I want to make a, and then I know we have to go. I, I, I do want to make a point that I am not suggesting at all that you do not have idiosyncratic opinions about the world and certainly about your, certainly about the art world and about philosophy or any of this kind of, I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm not suggesting, I mean, I've known you for so many years. You are not a drone. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I am suggesting and something that I'll just put it out there on the table um, I do feel like there is a closing epistemological circle around intellectuals and progressives that is in, that is as damaging and troublesome to me as the Trump movement was for uh, mainstream Republicans and conservatives. Like I, I re like I, I know that you, Seth. You, listeners won't know this, but. Seth was concerned that I may be, you know, like disappearing into a, a, a rabbit hole as far as like conspiracies and whatever. But, you know, my, my politics are alive and well and kicking. I still believe, I can, I can cite all the shibboleths. You know, I, I, I believe in reparations. I believe in universal health care. I believe in all these things. None of that shit's changed for me. I'm not the one that's moving. Okay. So let me, let me say this to, 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 to kind of put the quote on the conversation. We just published something last night, which gone on, which has gone out into the, uh, on the hyper allergic newsletter this morning, which is something that I bet I will get a lot of shit for, even though I didn't, wasn't mm -hmm. the writer. We, I, mm -hmm. pub we published something on Dina Lawson's photograph, photographs, Dina Lawson's mm -hmm. photography work, um, written by Gwendolyn du du Dubois Shaw, 
Um, and she basically takes apart Dina Lawson's um, work um, for exploiting black women and for um, a, 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 a couple of other things. Um, that's the kind of thing which is in some circle, in, in, in a certain part of my circle might be seen as like anti-progressive because it may be seen mm. as quote unquote tearing down a black woman. Um, that another mm. black woman is doing this kind of won't make a difference necessarily to some people. That her argument mm. has merit won't necessarily make a difference to some people. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like in the next coming day, in a, in a, cause I posted this on Twitter and posted this on Facebook, my support for this mm. piece, which I edited. Um, that's the kind of thing where you where I think it's it is taking a risk and it is brave and I believe in that I believe in making the argument based on the evidence regardless of whose toes we tend to mash. Um, it's just that this is not like the art scene isn't the place where the thing the, the kind of role of expertise that you see playing out in public policy plays out. That's that's all, and 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 I get what you're getting at, and I agree with you in principle. There is a kind of closing of the American mind on sort of all fronts because now we don't see each other as valid partners in developing a democracy. We see each other as the enemy. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah, about yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stephen, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> I I apologize. I mean, I know obviously, I know you would have jumped. Yeah, no, I I know you would have jumped in if you wanted to jump in. It's not like you need help with that. I know that. But um, do you want to do you want to add anything? Is there anything you want to? Like- right. So I pose this question to the both of you as well as um, our audience, which is: Can we hear someone who operates in what we think is bad faith? Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm not even going to respond to that. I know I can't. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And mm. is it a worthy project to listen? And of course it is. And of course, is it? <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of honestly, see, I'm kind of, I mean, I, I'm with you. I don't think, I, I think it would be very difficult to argue with someone that's in bad faith. I, I guess my thing is that I feel like we use that as a wedge to ignore people who are not. So the hypocritical part of it for me is just this week, I was talking with a woman who said that she was really upset that Tina Turner, who recently did a documentary a documentary about her, mm-hmm. she said, I'm done. This is the last you'll see of me. And she was like, I still want things from Tina Turner. And I said, well, I want the ideas. And I think that this woman has given us enough entertainment, ideas, singing, all you know, recorded material. I don't need her. I want the idea. I'm interested in the ideas. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. I have to like reckon with the idea. Can I listen to someone else? who I find repulsive mm. or that I think their ideas are reprehensible for the idea. Mm. Do you know? Yeah. So still respect yeah. them and say, Hey, stay over there. You know, you can't come in my house, but <laughs> I do like it that you have this idea and I can back you up in that way. So, yeah. 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 See, you just, the, the conversation is better. I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I, I agree with, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. So thanks. Um, appreciate the conversation. Uh, that was good. So, all right, my friends. So we will, I don't know if we'll talk about this next week. We, 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 we've been jumping around a lot, so I, we can pick it back or we can talk about something else. You know, the, the, I mean, the expertise thing I do, I think one of the reasons that I, I feel like a, it's something that sticks in my craw is because I like alarm bells are going off for me 
and you know, and I'm not someone in my older adult. When I was younger, of course, you know, I would react react to everything because you know I was young and hot headed. Um, but I I am seriously concerned about uh, our cultural space right now in the country and the things that we seem people that I love seem to be okay with. And I'm not worried about Biden. I'm not worried about Fauci directly. I mean, I have whatever feelings I have about, you know, these people. Biden seems pretty avuncular and friendly. And I mean, yeah, he's a little senile, but, you know, he seems fine. I mean, I was a, I was, I defended Biden and on this podcast, I was a Biden supporter. And I was not. And so, (laughs) yeah, that's right. I know. Yeah. So, you know, but, but the, the speed with which we are happily, and gleefully willing to shut people down and say things in public that doctors feel like it's okay to say things that they don't want to treat people who haven't been vaccinated. Like that is a mean place. That is a mean place. And I don't really want to live in that place. I want to make that place better. Um, I don't, I don't want to make it okay to be a dick to people around the dinner table. Um, and I feel like that's becoming more and more and more acceptable to people. Um, and the consequences are going to be dire. So um, I'm happy to return to that topic or in other related topics or other things, poetry. You know, we had the great conversation about Ben Lerner. So um, anyway, thank you both, Steph, Stephen, very much. For sure. 